Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Keck CNC's Global Thinking Podcast. Over the past 18 months, we have seen some notable and very high-profile exits from the world stage. We saw Nicola Sturgeon, the SNP leader and First Minister of Scotland, Jacinta Ardern, the former New Zealand Prime Minister, one of the all-time greats of men's tennis, Roger Federer, as well as some high-profile global CEOs, including Disney's Bob Iger, Twitter's Jack Dorsey, and Facebook's Sheryl Sandberg. Today, I'm joined by our very own Keck CNC experts, Dominic Reynolds and Jemima McChrystal, to discuss the art of saying goodbye and the lessons we can learn from the way a leader communicates their stepping down. So, Dom, Jemima, I'd be really interested to know what has got you thinking about the way leaders leave. And if there's been something in the water of late that has meant we've seen so many high profile leaders take a step back. Yeah, there's been a lot of this recently. And and because we spend a lot of time thinking about how leaders communicate at different moments, typically the questions we get more of are about arrivals. You know, what does that first 100 days look like? How should a leader communicate in those moments, in those days? But the reality is, you know, in terms of reputation management, in terms of institutional continuity, shareholder value, employee sentiment, actually the way a leader leaves is really important, maybe more important than those first hundred days. And also it's preparable. You know, you know that there's a moment coming typically where uh, the world expects you to say something. Um, so, you know, we we thought that whether it's a global CEO or a, or a team leader somewhere else in an organization, it does pay to think about how you leave, you know, what's that single idea you want to leave people with? Because um, from our thorough research that you saw in our latest Impact Insights newsletter, uh, the people who do it best do think about it that way. So we thought it was an interesting area to dig into. So Jemima, is it always about securing a legacy or, or is it more than that when we're talking about these goodbyes? You know, I think it's more than that. Um, it's the legacy in some of the cases is paramount, but often it's it's an opportunity to demonstrate the success that you've achieved in the role um, and also keep the door open for for returning to that company. In some cases, we saw with Bob Iger um, and his resignation speech, um, and then he did an interview with uh, CNBC. He actually then ended up back in the role as CEO of Disney two years later. Um, and that in no small part will have been how he handled his resignation and the really clear leadership he demonstrated during that time as someone that was at the helm of Disney and taking it forward into a new digital age. Um, what was interesting about how he handled that and how he handled his resignation was often we think about what leaders do say, um, but this was really a lesson in what you don't need to say. Bob Iger, had this interview with CNBC and he staged it on set with the Star Wars set behind him. Now, that communicated more without saying anything than any any words could have. Bob led the acquisition of Lucasfilm, which involved taking over the entire franchise, franchise of Star Wars, which was a hugely successful and really well-publicized acquisition at the time. But also, Bob was at the helm of Disney through this kind of transition to digital and streaming platforms and star wars is a is a key hero example of an old school movie franchise and then how they pivoted that to 
meet the demands of a streaming platform. They have various Star Wars series now, The Mandalorian, various others that have been a very successful and profitable stream for Disney alongside these kind of old school movie franchises. And and Bob was really at the helm of turning Disney Plus into what it is today and marrying what they have been known for as a company, but what they needed to do to be more relevant in the in a digital age that we're in now. Um, so that was all about setting rather than what he said. Um, what was also interesting is that he was able to then talk more to his flaws as a leader um, in a way that didn't diminish him and his success in it, it because you had this really strong visual reminder throughout of everything that he had done for Disney. He spoke about not listening to people as much as he had done in the past, becoming more dismissive of other, of other people's views. Um, and that demonstrated a kind of a level of emotional intelligence. I wouldn't say vulnerability, but emotional intelligence without taking away from what was clearly a very successful tenure as CEO of Disney. Of Disney. And that is what was left in the viewers and the audience's mind and front of their minds at the end. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th I think it's such an interesting balance, isn't it? The, um, the fact that the, the staging and that quest for legacy actually being visual meant that he could be more self-deprecating and then have the emotional intelligence really come through in the words that he was saying. And it didn't need to be sort of overconfident and maybe um, sort of the sh like showing the quest for legacy and what he was saying because it was actually just behind him in the picture and i think that leads us on because there is such a fine line between that sort of emotional honesty and also oversharing and overconfidence and i think that's something that you have been exploring we've seen jacinda hardern as i mentioned earlier she was vis visibly emotional and uh you know likewise roger federer when he was on court he could barely get some of his words out but there are others that maybe have sort of um fallen on the side of overshare. Um, Dom, I wonder if you could tell us about that balance. Yeah, it's it's a really hard one, right? Because leaders are always being told vulnerability is good. They need to show vulnerability because that speaks to authenticity. But, you know, we pulled out a couple of examples, which I think might really suggest the opposite. So one really interesting case is Verena Balson. So she's the 29-year-old um, granddaughter of the founder, Herman. And I pull out her age simply because it's relevant to this. Um, and the Balson empire makes delicious chocolate biscuits essentially and is and is a very big deal um, all over the world particularly in parts of Europe she was its chief mission officer she had a bit of a history of causing stirs by not choosing her words very well um, and in January this year she stepped down and she stepped down with this very confessional social media post talking about you know she had panic attacks, standing in a field with her boss. She had cried in meetings. She confessed to being unfriendly and cold and hard. And, and when she should have been something else, she said. So it was this very um, direct, very emotionally honest um, confession about how she felt she had behaved and how she'd sort of gone off track personally. Um, and she said she wanted to now take a, take a long break and sit on a beach and be highly unproductive. Now, whether it was that beach comment or her history or the way that she'd gone about it, she got a pretty hard time 
on social media. People weren't really sympathetic to her emotional kind of honesty. Um, and it reminded us a bit of the CEO of HyperSocial, um, who's called Braden Wallachi. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. Sorry, Braden, if it's not. Um, last year, he was uh, ridiculed also for posting a photo of himself, posting a selfie of himself weeping after firing people. because He said it was so difficult firing people. And I suppose for pretty obvious reasons, he was ridiculed. So, you know, you look at these situations and there is a bit of a fine line between sharing enough and sharing too much. You know, and if, if you look, those people got ridiculed. Then you have Nicola Sturgeon and Jacinta Arden being received pretty well when they when they um, bore their souls in a similar kind of way. Um, and I guess there's something there around, yes, vulnerability goes down well, but it goes down better if you're already perceived as being strong. You know, people might roll their eyes when, when an actor wells up at the Oscars. But as you said, when Roger Federer cried at his retirement, the whole of, of, of Centre Court was was welling up with him. So, you know, I guess the issue here is like, what do the tears say? You know, is that expression of vulnerability about showing your commitment to the task and your focus and all of this pent up energy? Or is it more kind of self-pitying? Um, so, you know, we'd say that's that's the, the balance to tread when you're when you're seeking to be emotionally vulnerable on the way out. Yeah, I think it's so interesting. And I think it's also that balance, right, of authenticity and being just very human and, and talking to things that we can all understand rather than something that feels a bit sort of out of touch, like the crying photo, for example. Um, but yeah, it's, so interesting about that balance and just picking up as well in your recent impact insights you talk about how preparation and in some instances quotable lines are really useful to keep the control of your final exit message um i think both of you had some really interesting examples in that in that piece of research and i was just wondering if both of you can talk a little bit more of these um jemima maybe you can pick up on alex ferguson first yeah happy to and i think that was also um an example of vulnerability but but managed well um in terms of scene setting he alex ferguson was able to be you know slightly more vulnerable on the verge of tears at certain points but he had this very dramatic setting for his leaving speech um of the old trafford stadium and as as a real visual representation of his success when managing manchester united um and so was able to to then perhaps be more vulnerable in his emotions because he was visually demonstrating his legacy and his success via the team and the stadium that he was kind of speaking in. Um, but from a quotable lines point of view, I mean, it was quite it's quite funny. Alex Ferguson is a master in communications, but plays down this kind of, um, you know, salt of the earth. Um, character. And, and he entered his speech with kind of, you know, I, I've done no preparation for this. I've got no lines prepared. But clearly, he he put a lot of thought into what he was going to say and how he was going to say it. Um, and he, he has this line about, you know, he's going to be watching them instead of suffering with them. Um, and what was interesting about that is that throughout his leaving speech, Alex Ferguson was really focused on kind of creating this this story of a family connection between team, manager, fan. Um, and there was a lot of our and them and your and, and all of that 
combined to create a very emotional and impactful speech that had a kind of standing ovation across the stadium. Players looked to be welling up. Um, And I think what he was doing with that line was this kind of connecting what his role had been before to what it was going to be going forwards um, and and telling his audience exactly what that was going to be. At the beginning of his speech, he was talking about how he would try and find a way to talk about what this football club means. And, And in doing that, he told his audience at the very beginning what the point of his speech was going to be and what they were going to come out with understanding and knowing. And I think that that can be a really powerful tool as well with leaders is is almost telling people what you want them to take away from your speech. I do think there's something so interesting there around control and how leaders actually have so much more control than they think they might um, around what their audience will take away from it. Because as Jemima says, your audience will take away what you want them to if you've thought about it and and deliver it properly so you know what are you repeating what's the idea that you want to sell in an image what's the idea that you want to sell with a with a nice kind of alliterative well-balanced phrase or a visual image that you know those are the things that people will will take away those are the techniques that will help people take things away so there's actually quite a lot of control i think for leaders if they think about it and also the point, I think, as you say, the thing about control is you've only got one chance to say it, right? So you may as well think about it, have a um, have that moment um, crafted and also say it from the heart. And I think also having an understanding of who your audience is is, um, is super interesting in these moments. Yeah, of it, it sort of connects to something else we were thinking about. You can't talk about high profile exits without thinking about news anchors, because, you know, news anchors love an emotional goodbye. They absolutely love it. They've been on on the TV screens for years and they take very seriously their moment to say goodbye to their audience. Um, so it's kind of a whole sub-genre of itself, the, new, the news anchor goodbye. Um, we've pulled out a few examples of like national characteristics in the news anchor goodbye, which I think is interesting. So you've got the American style and we pulled out Christy Paul of CNN as a great example of this. The American style is quite long. It's quite tearful. Uh, it's quite emotional. In this one, Christy was talking about the needing to prioritize being a mother rather than being a, a news person. At the other end of the scale, a good few years ago, you had the, the legendary uh, British journalist Jeremy Paxman leaving his longstanding job on Newsnight. And he was much more uh, short, much grumpier, much more direct. He started quoting Peter Finch in network saying, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Uh, And he was sort of mocking his own reputation for being uh, a bit sort of curmudgeon-y and a bit mean-spirited. You know, Brian Williams of MSNBC did a a real kind of tub-thumping, emotional call to action to America talking about my biggest worry is for my country. Um, So that was another one which kind of stood out, certainly very well prepared, very well thought through. Um, Did it connect? I don't know. Maybe not not to a British audience. I mean, our favourite was uh, Jon Snow, the now ex-presenter of Channel 4 News in the UK. And his final goodbye is really worth watching. Clearly, he's thought about it. Clearly, he's thought about it for years. And he thanks a few different people. And then most importantly, he thanks you, the viewer. He points down the barrel of the lens, you know, kind of breaking the fourth wall and thanks 
the viewer with real enthusiasm for curiosity and for their for their interest you know so i think it speaks to a lot of things but each of them made a point of thanking the audience praising the audience and i think in terms of what leaders can can take from these examples is it's always an easy win it's a slam dunk to praise the audience if you're talking to the management you're the best management ever if you're talking to employees you're the, you're the greatest team i've ever worked with that never goes down too badly so a bit of prep and a bit of praising the audience that's what i got from from news anchors goodbyes after all that i feel the pressure is really on me at this point in the podcast i'll just say that if you want to watch the clips we've talked about you'll find them in the latest impact insights blog there's a link in the show notes thanks for listening Thank you.